First red strawberry juice. Blue, blue, blueberry juice. Orange, orange, orange juice. Yellow mango juice. Which one do you want? I want the first one. <laughs> I told you I wouldn't disappoint. Right? No, man, I love it. That's great. Thank you, Larry, you so much. No that was amazing, man. Was that your first thought when you thought about the song? They got to do something? That's 100%. Yeah, that uh, was for, it? First, I'm not going to lie. I was a bit intimidated. I'm like, oh, geez, karaoke, man, was the last time I did that. <laughs> and I'm like, I got I to gotta make a statement here. Nobody does it unless they're intoxicated in construction. That's there you the go. thing about it. But no, yeah. I mean, that, I love that. That's great, man. I don't make the real for sure. Larry, <laughs> welcome to the construction life, man. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. We haven't actually talked about this, and I'm curious. I've got a lot of questions. I sure. know you've been in the business for a while, but mm -hmm. I mean, so we're going to talk about pools, but also basically servicing, leak detection, all that whole world, right? That's where you started as a business. Was it competitive back then, or is it competitive now, or what's the story? Well, see things like when I when I first started. Well, I've been in aquatics for my entire life, so just okay. like from from like as a kid, basically, uh, I was a pool rat. Like every weekend, like we were at the pool, and then doing swimming lessons, and then that kind of progressed into the lifeguarding piece. Which my brother ended up going, you know, further into that, into the management side. I went into the service side, so I worked at a hotel in downtown. It's actually the biggest hotel in Canada at the time. And, uh, Which hotel was that? Uh, Delta Chelsea. What was the Delta Chelsea at the time? Okay. So yeah. I, I just learned the fundamentals there. And uh, I'm going to say, when was that? 2004. Okay. okay. So that was just kind of just getting my feet wet, so to speak. And then 2007 is when I started the service company. Now, I'm not going to say, I mean, if you're, if you're going to do like comparison between what it was like then and now, you don't want to say the last couple of years have certainly made it more competitive. I think that's just because a lot of people are trying to jump in on the, on the whole pool bandwagon right yeah, yeah but you've got knowledge and experience and yes and you you kind of dissect things right so Correct. we got a lot to talk about man so yes, let me just do. do a few shout outs here first of all i'm wearing crim's uh hoodie here at h2o plumbers uh i've worked with him a few times they're solid guys so i like wearing his hoodie uh shout out to him and then i got larry lagamba that's it. So, and it's Pool Boy, B U O Y, leak detection. 16 years, www.poolboy.ca, info at poolboy.ca. And it's also on Instagram, Pool Boy Leak Detection. And also your personal, which is Larry.lagamba, which is L A G A M B A. Correct. Where do we want to begin, man? Uh, You're a young guy, so you got started young in the industry. I did, yeah. I, I appreciate that. Thank you. I don't feel young anymore. But <laughs> we all get older, yeah, man. Exactly. If we're lucky enough, we all get older. Yeah, I mean, I guess we can start like this in the beginning, just because I think there's there's a lot of backstory to that, which I want to share, kind of leading into the new project that I'm working on. So the And this is something I think a lot of people can relate to in a sense, and that's basically that my decision to go on this path was not supported. And... I'm not going to say on that. this path or the new path on on the pool boy, the pool boy, yeah, the pool servicing path wasn't the, supported it, by it was not at home. Okay, yeah, they didn't think it was a viable career. No, and it was. I'm going to give you kind of like the tip of the top of the iceberg a bit. I'm going to go into saying that it was uh, it was more than just discouraged. It was basically you know shamed. I was yeah, uh, <laughs> I was shamed, and even to points where like things were kind of sabotaged to kind of really yeah exactly. Wow. Yeah. What is your background? In terms of, uh, I'm Italian. Yeah, that's what yeah, I yeah. figured. Okay. Yeah. And the expectation there was suit and tire bust, right? Really? Yeah. So. Well, I may I ask what your parent or your dad does or your mom does or? Yeah. You want to know the irony of it? What's that? Uh, My dad's a tradesman. 
was a tradesman. He passed. Listen, yeah. there's a generation, and I've spoken to a number of them. Mm-hmm. They don't want their kids getting into the industry. No, they don't. They don't. They work their asses off so then their kids wouldn't get into the industry. Exactly. So. Yeah. See, the thing is, like, with, with my dad, he, unfortunately, passed right when things were, were taking off. And, unfortunately, he didn't get a chance to see, obviously, where things went. He was a big supporter of most of it. He wasn't a supporter of the leak detection aspect of it because I required, like, an upfront payment for the equipment that I needed. Yeah. And that wasn't cheap, right? I was paying for it myself, so... Uh, but the other side of the equation, which is which is my mom, that's where things got really difficult. So that was an ongoing battle uh, on the home front. That she wanted her son to be a suit and tie exactly career, and and it didn't matter how much money was made. Like I, I would even tell her, I would say to her, listen. So if I was suit and tie making twenty thousand dollars a year, that's okay. But I can't get out there. Yeah, so, I know it's unfortunate. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and there was a lot of ridicule, shaming, and and a lot of a lot of dirty dirty plays there. Um, which you got, you got siblings? I do, yes. Did they go down suit and tire land? My brother's a lawyer, and he's and he's four, <laughs> if he's four years he's four years my senior, so you can imagine, yeah. And he's straight A student all throughout uh, elementary, high school, university, excellent, uh, excellent academically. So you both guys take care of leaks, man. Yeah, there you go, exactly. <laughs> there you go. The see the thing is actually like I, I taught for ten years. Right, elementary and secondary, actually. Really? Yeah, the, f- the first school I ever got a job at was just on Glen Ashton here, close by. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, yeah, post corners. So I'm not too, I'm not too far. Do you miss teaching? I do, I do. Yeah. Uh, I do miss the the mentorship aspect, and then I do miss obviously the interactions with the students, shaping minds and seeing the potential. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, to me, like, that's what my new path is going to basically try to gear more towards is the aspects of teaching that I like the most. Right. Are you tired of the the business? Is that why you're, or are you just looking to kind of expand your mind and trying to get new ideas going on in your life? It's it's basically exactly what you just mentioned. Okay. So, I mean, I have an off season, right? So about five months, six months, right? And I like to keep active. I always like to kind of, you know, push the ball forward. I don't like staying stagnant, if you know what I mean. And part of, part of this is to have an opportunity to kind of work on something that's a little bit more, to the heart, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And the mentorship piece, especially in a situation like this, like I think we can all agree there is a serious need for, for tradespeople. And that's, that's a given. Yeah. yeah. And, and I didn't realize it until the beginning of this past pool season when I had a hard time finding somebody and I was willing to pay top dollar too. Where are you looking? I was all over. I was all over. It's kind of unfortunate because I actually saw Mike Rose recent podcast well probably about a month ago mm-hmm. and he was actually talking about statistics and this is american statistics and he was talking about men ages i think it was from 25 to 55 uh there's a certain percentage i think it was like 11 or 14 million of that group in america mm-hmm. is actively not looking for employment right they're not interested in employment right pretty concerning it's a huge problem it is wow it is now I think we can we can sit here all day and spitball reasons as to why that's the case. I, if I'm the draw on my own personal experience, I just don't think if, and I'm talking trade specifically, I don't think the kids are are kind of being engaged into it enough and at an earlier age and see the value in it. Because if I couldn't agree with you more, dude. Yeah, and that's telling you the truth. Yeah, and, and that's part of the the thing that I want to attack too. Because if I look at it and I look at my own personal story, my business, my industry saved my life not on one occasion but twice. And why would I not want somebody who maybe is going through a similar situation as me 15, 17 years ago yeah. 
to kind of help them in that direction too. So that's the mentorship part that I'm talking about. So kids that are in, say, toxic dysfunctional families, for example, and I'm speaking from, from experience. Yeah. Yeah. You need something that's going to get, that's rewarding, obviously, highly engaging, something that's going to get you to freedom and independence ASAP. You don't have four to seven years in $100,000 plus in debt to basically spend on a degree that, you know, might make you successful for sure, but you kind of see where I'm kind of going yeah. with this, right? Yeah. So trying to help and empower these kids that, uh, that need that. And part of the presentation I have for, for students that I'm going to be, that I'm going to be giving is it one of, one of the parts of it is obviously what are some of the fastest trades you can even, or you can learn and get into, see if you're in a gym and you really had to say flee the nest. Like I had to, I was 20 years old, 21 years old when I flew, when I left home. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm being told it's the top three. The problem that with yeah. the top three, right, which we've always talked about is HVAC plumbing and electrical, Correct. right? Yep. So they're recession proof. Yes. They're steady work. But the problem that all the HVAC plumbers and electricians that I've spoken through in the industry and through the show, they just see people not driven. Right. And, and far and few, they'll find that one that is driven and they'll give them a shot. Right. Uh, but once they give them the shot, then they're learning and they're great. And then they're really hungry to be the four person at that point. Yes. So they want to be 25 years old making 70, 80 K. Right. The numbers don't line up. You, right. you can't le That person's not ready right. to, to actually take care of that whole scope on their own. And, and uh, fun, uh, funny enough, outside of, I guess, I would say the plumbing and electrical you need a crew like you, electrical and plumbing. You also still need a side person that's going to help you. You need an assistant. If not to HVAC, you need a crew, mm -hmm. three, four people that actually have to handle scope of work, depending on the, the size of it. But you're getting a lot of people trying to get into that because you can learn it. You can get into it. You can get your tickets. Um, but they, they lose a disconnect at some point and they start realizing, hang on a sec. I'm 25. I want to be making 75. And, and, and I, I've got this thing where it's like these young guys are chasing the money more than they are chasing the passion. And then mm -hmm. they're going to lose the money opportunities. Right. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Now, my question is, what is, what is their background to begin with? Obviously, what's like, what? It's a variety, right? right. I can't, I'm not going to be uh, profiling or anything. No, like no, no, I'm no. not going to say, listen, it's the Europeans out there. It's right. not, I, I, I do, I will say that the immigrants coming to this country mm -hmm. are hungrier than the locals. Right. I, that's unfortunate. Right. I, I think that the locals have had it too good. Right. And I think that they've been coddled and, and all of a sudden they're like, no, we want more. We want expecting more. And well, you see, we see like, I remember seeing a post, I think from Doug Ford, basically advancing these, uh, these initiatives to essentially bring, uh, immigrant tradespeople. Well, we have to right. do that because it worked back in the sixties and seventies and eighties. Right. Exactly. And that's how you built the force. Yeah. But now that force is retiring or passing on. It's a huge gap there. So we know there's a gap between the 50, 60, 70 year olds and the 20, 30 year olds that are coming in. That's right. And we don't think that the 20, 30 year olds can sustain because of the competition. Right. We have way too much competition. Construction in its own entity has way too much competition out there. Like why be a tradesperson when you could be a TikToker and make six figures doing nothing? Right. I get that. That that seems to be more glorified, right? Yeah. And that's and that's the part is there is a bit of a cultural shift that needs to happen, in my opinion. Well, it's it's an attempt, obviously. Because the thing is, if I'm and it's still out there, the stigma is obviously the misconceptions oh, sure. and all that stuff. Blue collar crap, yeah. The whole piece there, in my opinion, is how do you change that perception, 
right? Now, changing, I know it's it's a tall order, but regardless, sitting around, like it's, it's something's got to get done with it. So if we can somehow get into, like, and, and part of my, my idea was you get into the schools, especially middle schools. That's when obviously. Oh, I would love to see trades get into middle schools, right? man. So talk about like presentations, grade seven and eight. And that's when students are mature enough to understand and engage with the material that you're presenting you start to debunk some of those stereotypes even before they start coming up when they're in high school. You see what I'm saying? Start getting them excited. If we can get people out there that are passionate about the trades, excited about the trades and they want to share their stories, I think that's a start. And if we do that, say maybe in a class of say 30 kids, you get one or two kids out of it. We say, hey, mom and dad, this looks pretty cool to me. This seems like a good opportunity. Or we get the kid, for example, like I was, you need a way out, right? Like you're, you're trying to get out of that. It's right? a good point you bring up because a lot of people get into the industry and, and they have their plan to get in and right. to build and to either start working for somebody and then eventually start working on their own. Mm-hmm. But they don't seriously think about how to get out. Right. And everybody has to figure out again. I mean, I have these conversations. I had a number of these conversations over the holiday break, how... First of all, we're all self-employed, so we can't count on the government for our pension, no, not retirement, all. or anything like that. So if you're not coming up with a plan at the very beginning, you're going to be in trouble at the end. Of course. So it's kind of scary at that point. But that, that also goes to our competition. Of course. You can make loads of money doing a bunch of other stuff, but if you start living a lifestyle that is just consuming that money, it's, yeah, exactly. where are you going to end up at that, at that point? Oh, there you go. I th- you can honestly find, you can find concerns with all aspects of it. If, yes. I, if I look at it into like, say, my teaching background, yeah, that pension is excellent, but if you can guarantee you're going to live to a certain age to enjoy that pension. Yes, that's the other thing. There you are. There are no guarantees in that either. My dad went, my dad passed when he was 56. So I was young, man. So say if I, if I follow that similar trajectory, I would have been retired for three years at that point. And then, so, and what kind of survivorship benefits are there to be passed? There aren't. There you are. They're not sustainable, survivable. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, you can look at both because for the longest time, what was pushed, what was pushed in my household, oh, pension benefits, this and that, whatever. Oh, every household's like that. And it's important. Don't get me wrong, but. Listen, you could you could find uh, you could find obviously issues with with both ends of it, right? Um, I actually wanted to uh, bring up a point about. I know that I've had a number of shows where our guests were fortunate enough to bring up numbers. Yes, and I don't think a lot of people in the construction industry actually seriously talk to the younger generation of trades yes. about numbers. Yes, because when you actually calculate, like you mentioned, the lawyer and, and schooling. So if you've got all this, I mean, I go back to competition. Construction Correct. is always in competition to other career forms, right? Yes. So if you get into schooling, whatever, if you're going to get into just a, a business degree or a law or whatever, you're going to be paying six figures no matter how you slice that. Easily. Easily. But if you get into construction, it depends on where you're going to go. Mm-hmm. You might be spending at the most maybe 30, 40K or whatever to get your ticket to get started. And then you've got your hours from there and you go on. But the, the truth is that in your first year, you're already paying off your debt. Exactly. Versus all your competition. You're spending years paying off your debt. Yeah, you're, the earn to learn piece, right? Yeah. Which I have, I have that in my presentation. I have a side by side comparison of a plumber and a, and a, and a loss and a lawyer. How so, does that work out? Yeah, so what it basically is, is in the end of it, that lawyer is making 115 after seven years. This is just like a, like I just took like a sample, right? And then that plumber with overtime, with side work, and with his base salary, he's making pretty close to that. This guy is six figures in debt. I think the total was 103,000 if I took undergrad four years. 
uh, law schools. I think it was about 103,000. Even that alone, like let's let's break that down a little bit too. So $103,000 in debt. This guy, obviously there's a differential there. Say call it maybe 80,000. Yeah. Right? That 80,000, you could obviously invest, do whatever you want with it, have that grow over time. That's going to be worth way more than what that difference is yeah. in a couple of years. That seven-year gap yeah. is huge. And it, com- it could compound in of itself, and, and, that's, and that guy's making money in that same time that he's going to school. But here I go back to, listen, you're in your 20s, you're in your 30s, and yeah. you're living that lifestyle. You're living that lifestyle. Right. So, okay, fine, whatever. You're making six figures, but you're paying off six figures in debt. Exactly. But you're probably eating out Monday to Friday. Exactly. You're having drinks with potential clients Monday to Friday. Golfing. So, yeah. So you're cheating. you're spending so much more versus a tradesperson. You're not doing that. You might be doing that once or twice just to build relationships sure. and then go from there. So I mean, it's disproportionate at that point, right? It is. And obviously you're you're trying to maintain an image. So you're driving the nice car, you're wearing the fancy suits, all this stuff that costs money to maintain. Yeah. Right? So it it, it does it does add up in the end i think so i mean I, I gotta commend you because that's a lot of valuable information that the younger generation even the older needs to hear mm-hmm. they have to get it but i mean okay listen the government's not doing this they're more about a political agenda trying to figure out a specific um gender and ethnic base to get them into construction right and i have a problem with that because that specific doesn't want to get into construction. Right. Why not focus on the people that want to get into construction and get them working into the industry? Right. Spend your efforts on that instead of your efforts to look good on a political stage. So I can't count on the to government. Yeah, exactly. Right. So I can't count on them to help us get people into construction. So the last thing that I could ask them is, why don't you guys help us speak for you guys instead? But then they don't speak to us small mom and pop shops. They'll speak to the big union players. Right. At that point, it's the same thing. You're having the same conversation to a mirror is at that point. Political game. Yeah. Exactly. It needs to be a ground level grassroots situation. That's what it's got to be. That's how how we can be authentic. Because let's face it, if we're going to be talking to kids, kids can, they're extremely smart and intuitive. They can call BS. And they can look at you and tell you you're full of it or not. And once once they determine that, that... you know, there's BS in play. They're checked out. They leave. They leave. Good luck. That's right? a that's the one thing I love about construction and tradespeople is that we do not like being sold. Right. We don't. There's more authenticity. Here. We want the yeah. truth. Exactly. Tell. We rather rip the bandaid off and just tell us the truth. That's right. We'll take the pain. We'll figure out how to solve it, yep. and we'll move on from there. Yeah, exactly. That's construction, and I respect them for that. Right. But the, we're still getting that group of people. But I can see you saying that. Why don't we speak to these kids like that? Why don't, but the, uh, you also, listen, I've spoken to teachers. Mm-hmm. They're not having these conversations in schools. They're no, not they're having not. them in high schools. No, they're not. And the funny thing is I've, ta- I've, I've talked to a couple of you know, parents and students in the area. I'm in Georgetown. And I had one lady telling me that uh, her daughter is interested in carpentry. Okay. She's going to her school. She's, she's trying all these different avenues within that school community and doesn't seem like they're giving her much information to play with so it almost seems like there's this institutionalized piece that's trying to keep things suppressed if you know what i mean so it's like okay yeah you have your career day okay so career day what grade 11 grade 12 whatever whatever that is at that point most of these kids more or less have their minds made up all this stuff needs to be happening they've been influenced by their circle exactly 
by their parents. Yes. Right. So the idea is try to try to obviously get the word out there first. Kind of like, you know, Michael Scott in the office is like, if we get the word out first, yep. we set the tone, we control the story. Somebody else gets to it first and starts influencing those negative stereotypes and misconceptions and what have you, they control the story. Yeah. And I get that. So it's like the, the idea is that if we, if we do this, like I've been saying, then at that point we kind of set the foundation. We set the foundation that if those things come up, like, oh, tradespeople, oh, they don't make much money anyway. Oh, it's dirty work. Oh, it's hard work. Brutal career path. Well, they can look at it and, and deconstruct that for themselves and debunk those stereotypes and say, well, actually, you know what? We had a presentation. We had X, Y, and Z discussed to us. It's actually, that's, that's not what was presented to us, right? So they have both sides of the coin before. It's salesmanship. There you are. It's marketing. It's just yeah. they're, they're marketing other career options better yep. than, than we are. We're not doing a good enough job. And that, and then I say all of us, like we're all, you have to be selling yourself at any given time. Like I, I've always told everybody that in construction, someone is always paying attention to whatever you're doing. So if you want to cut a corner or you want to do a shit job or you want to do whatever, it's something negative because you don't care about it. Someone's going to see you doing that. Of course. And then that's going to be the impression that you've left for somebody. And, so, and the reputation just, just keeps on. Exactly. Yeah. 100%. So we can't, we can't continue doing that. Do you want to talk a little bit about pool? <laughs> yeah, hey, you know, love, love to talk about that. Absolutely. I want to continue this conversation because this is amazing. This yeah, is yeah. great. Yeah. But I mean, so you've done it for 16 years. Yes. But I mean, so what exactly do you do? You get in there and you take care of what? So what ends up happening is we get called in when pools are losing water, generally speaking, or exhibit other Commercial, symptoms. residential pools, anybody? All of it. We did the Toronto Zoo last year too. Okay. Penguin and Hippo Pool. It's pretty sweet. Yeah. It was my favorite project the day. Were they hanging out with you? They were. Okay. So the, pe the penguins were in a separate room. We couldn't go up to them because they, they were going to get rattled by our presence. So fine. I took, I took a video from a distance. Uh, it actually made it to a fundraiser too. Um, yeah. So basically what, what it, it was, I think it was mid July and the water was so freezing cold doing that one. I had a dry suit on that was leaking, unfortunately. So basically, had a wonderful time doing that. Job. But like I'm telling you, like the, the water was like 50 degrees, and you're it was freezing eh? because they were losing a foot of water a day there. So they kept replenishing, replenishing, replenishing. So the water temp was basically just like it comes out of the source. Wow. Yeah. So the idea is we do residential, commercial, swimming pool, water loss diagnostics, leak detection. Yeah. And there is a component with um, with doing underwater repairs. The part in the commercial aspect of it with underwater repairs that we do is the, the drain grate uh, repairs and replacement. So oftentimes we get calls from the municipalities, commercial properties. If those drain grates are broken, that pool gets shut down immediately because that's a, that's a hazard. Okay. So the rush is on to get somebody in their ASAP to rectify that issue. So because we're scuba trained and we have all the fancy gear, like underwater drills and all that fun stuff, that's uh, that's what we do, but that's that's a smaller part of the business. The major component is residential swimming pool leak detection. So using electronics, sonic listening devices, uh, water loss computers, liner electronic liner scanners. I could go on. Uh, so you're like you're literally 3D scanning the whole liner to find what uh, a penetration. Yeah. So what it is is basically we're using electrical currents, and it's it's called the leak track. It's from Anderson Manufacturing in Minnesota, and what it is is basically it's a device that you use deck side and it uses a, a trickle charge of electricity. And what it does is it creates these. So for example, if there's a leak, say right here, 
it's going to send trickle charges of electricity to that leak to where it's actually where the penetration is, whether it's cut, rip, tear, hole. And then that system makes basically tells the operator with sound where that issue is. What is it? It's like a sonar. Uh, people think that's what it is. Yeah, it's 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 different. You're co- bouncing a signal or no? It's it's just electric electrical currents. Yeah. Okay. It, 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 people do tend to think it is sonar, but it's uh, it's it's different technology. It's more like a so, and then obviously we get the opportunity to to go to, to, to go for swims, go for dives, and inspect and and repair and patch. That's uh, that's one part of it. For piping, we have pipe inspection cameras. So we essentially send uh, cameras down pipelines to see for, for breaks. Uh, we have listening equipment to listen to where the leaks are in underground plumbing systems. It could get pretty uh, pretty intricate. If you so there's like that. a number of reasons why pools fail, or is it just Absolutely. a line? There's a, so it could be anything at any given time. Exactly. And, and the truth is that oftentimes when we think, you know, the pool's leaking, there's only one problem, our approach is to go in acting as if the entire pool is leaking we're checking everything so even if you find one issue in like say 10 minutes and that happens we still continue to check everything else because sometimes we find other issues that are contrary to what the the report was in terms of the pattern of water loss whether it was like pump on pump off what have you right so that's how we add value it's basically complete complete check so i'm curious why did you get into that so it's it's actually funny like at the time when I started, so I bought the, I started the business in 2007, bought the kit in 2008. And the truth of the matter is I never took any courses. There were no YouTube videos. There were no resources no, of nothing. any kind. So Zilch. how did you learn? How did you? Taught myself. So, but the, what got me there, and that's kind of like a whole piece with this, is, is I had a really good mentor in the beginning who pointed me in this direction. So... His name's, his name's Jesse O'Connor. I want to tip my hat off to him yeah. because without him, I probably wouldn't be here. And uh, I don't think he realizes, you know, what he what he actually did for me. Is he um, still in the business or? I, I've lost touch with him. Okay. I, I don't, I'm not really sure uh, what he's up to these days. I hope he's doing well. Um, but he he was he was a manager at uh, the pool supply place that I went to. So in the beginning, he kind of helped me with some of the technical aspects, water chemistry, you know, chemicals. And he really guided me through everything. And then he said to me, he said, listen, I think, um, I really think you should give this a shot. Give leak detection a shot. It's like, you have to spend some money, but you know what? I, I have a good, I have a good feel about this for you. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at it going, okay, this equipment is thousands of dollars. I'm living at home. I could pull it off. I said, why not? Sounds intriguing. There's only one company out there that's, that's monopolizing this. Seems like a good opportunity. And it was going to be my own money paying for the stuff. And that's when the backlash came out even more. So like, what the hell are you doing? Thousands of dollars for what? Magic beans, you idiot. Oh yeah, I was, I was getting completely torched. Like it was- it Did was, you present numbers to them? Did you tell them that, okay, I'm going to invest this much into the gear that I need. Here's my potential sales. Here's my potential pro. You presented all this stuff. I, I okay, so- <laughs> Got to take a little pause here. I want to do a quick shout out to uh, Sabino. 
Tiles Install Plus Inc. is a installation company for all your tile needs. They specialize in residential, custom work, pools, commercial, etc. They have a full installation team ready to tackle small or big jobs and multiples at once. Sabino Bove runs full operation and with 20 years experience, no signs of slowing down. His company is in the process of opening its first retail location in Bolton, Ontario, just outside of the Toronto area and will offer a wide range of services starting with interior design, beautiful selection of trendy modern porcelain and mosaics and specialty tools for the tile trade they are going to be a, your one-stop shop when it comes to tiles sabino is in the process of building what his father has started a long time ago bringing up that tradition and we wish him and his team the best please check it out on ig at tile.install.plus or contact them at tileinstallplus at yahoo.com thanks sabino you know that whole like Sebastian Maniscalco talks about parent price? Yeah. So I had to give the parent price to my mom because even if I said 20 bucks, it would have been Didn't like... Didn't matter. Yeah, you're, you're an idiot. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my dad I was more forthcoming with. And while he supported the whole journey into this, into this business, he wasn't supportive of this necessarily. And I just, for some reason, I'm just like, you know, F this. I'm walking a straight line. I'm, I'm doing this thing. Yeah. And... Like I said, no training whatsoever. And in the beginning, there were a lot of screw-ups, a lot of problems, a lot of learning, trial by error type of type of stuff. But you're problem solving. Exactly. That's your business. Exactly. So thankfully, um, being given that direction, and, and Jesse, would, he would always say, he's like, listen, I think, you know, five, seven years, you watch. This is going to be all that you do. And that's exactly what happened. And done well with it. Yes, and everyone calls you and you come in, you problem solve, right? We are the Ghostbusters, <laughs> the Iron Chefs of Swimming Pool Leak Detection. I know the last conversation I had was with a plumber friend of mine. He had a leak and it was driving him crazy because every morning he would wake up and watch the water just go lower and lower and lower, it's right? It's frustrating. It's completely frustrating yeah. because you're paying so much money, I guess. And exactly. Just, and can you imagine if he just had a pool built, however many, a hundred plus? And that generally people. happens? Like it's It can. It can. Are and pools being built too fast? I'm not going to say, well, here's the thing. Like, truthfully, pools can leak for a number of reasons. Okay. Like, and, and, and generally speaking, it's not necessarily the builder's fault. Like, I've had cases where landscapers accidentally drive spikes through pipes, not knowing where the pipes are. These things happen. Things yeah, do yeah. happen, unfortunately. Yeah. Manufacturer defects, which we've been seeing a little bit more of lately, have been, have been happening it is what it is, and generally speaking, they are they are handled with accordingly. So, uh, but truthfully, like old, new, it doesn't matter. Oftentimes, people tell tell me, "Oh, it's a new liner. Don't worry about checking it. It's fine. It's all good. It's, it's in the pipes. All good." You just yeah, check but it the could pipes. have been damaged during installation. It could have been damaged during use. Exactly. You don't know what fell into the pool or what's going on. So, and I mean, how thick are liners these days? Thirty mil. It's, uh, but generally speaking, if we if we see an issue come up. I mean, mind you, I've seen, obviously, impalements and, and cuts and gashes in new liners. Uh, but generally, you run into seam manufacturer issues, which obviously is a full delamination of the of the welded yeah. seam. Yeah. And yeah, you could run into installation problems. Fine. I mean, installers are human beings, too. Uh, could be anywhere, truthfully. Let me share a little history on pools here, man, Larry. Do it up. This, this is amazing. I th totally love it, man. Uh, poolboy, B-U-O-Y dot C-A, info at poolboy dot C-A, and poolboy leak detection on Instagram, and also Larry dot Lagamba. 
First swimming pools were created thousands of years ago by ancient civilizations, the Egyptians, Greeks, and Romans. These early pools were typically used for religious ceremonies, athletic training, and the symbol of wealth and status. Uh, the first known swimming pool for recreational use was built in uh, Pakistan around 2600 BC. The pool was part of the city's public bath complex and was likely used for both religious and recreational purposes. The pool was roughly rectangular in shape and was made of brick with a size of around 12 meters by 7 meters. Um, the first Olympic pool was 1920. Hmm. Uh, that was in Belgium. Uh, what else is here? The first heated pool was built by Gaius Massenes in the gardens of the uh, Rome, uh, like sometime around 38 or 8 BC, 8 BC, uh, was a wealthy imperial advisor to Augustus and considered one of the first patrons of art. It's a little history of pools Love it. there. Love it. Nice. Do you have a pool? You yes, have I a pool. do. Of course you have a I pool. Do. I do, yes. And that's <laughs> the funny thing. People ask me, Right, like, oh, do you have a pool yourself? Oh my God, like it's such a headache. This and that. Sometimes, not all the time. Are they headaches? Uh, you know, really, like, for the enjoyment that you get out, of, yeah, you you have to put your work in. There's no question. Like, it requires a budget, uh, like a car does. Right? Yeah, it's just like a car. Right, it needs maintenance. You have to stay on top of things. You have to be on top of your water chem chemistry, or else everything could be, you know, your, your liner, your surface uh, could run into issues, your equipment could run into issues, bather, uh, comfort, uh, comfortability and all that could run into issues with that. Is a saltwater pool better than a chlorine? I don't know. I'm asking. I'm going to tell you a secret. What's that? Saltwater makes chlorine. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be on, I have a saltwater pool in my home. Okay. Uh, I enjoy it. I find it's easier to maintain. But it does come obviously with other, other caveats to it too. Like it does have its own chemical uh, dependencies. So you do find that pH tends to go a lot higher, meaning you need to correct that with pH down. Uh, the, the, the components have a service life. And when you obviously need to replace them after however many years, that costs a lot of money too. Yeah. So I don't believe in the payback piece where it's like, oh, you have a salt uh, water system. It's going to pay for itself in X amount of years. Well, by that point, you're going to be replacing components, and that payback piece might not necessarily th those models might not be applicable. But having said that, I do enjoy the ease. I do enjoy the. Uh, I'm not going to say it's completely hands off, but it is definitely a lot more maintenance friendly. You're not dealing with chlorine pucks and dealing with uh, chemicals and chlorine liquid chlorine as much. I would say by chemicals, I mean the chlorine. Aspect. But is it better for you? Your body your skin your everything or is it um i i find i find a difference i find there's a difference i know with with my kids uh they they tend to whenever we go to the public pool versus our pool we do notice a difference but like i said i'm i'm on top of my water chemistry quite a bit like if you're if you have a saltwater pool and your ph is skyrocketing because you're not on top of it you're going to be complaining of irritation no doubt yeah so i think uh, i think a good system to have like a dual system is salt with with uv or aop which is uh, the Hayward Hydropure does have um, have a model with I think I believe both combined, which I believe I just picked. Man, up. why wouldn't your parents be proud, man? It's science class. It's not that. Like it's, it's it's construction and science. It's class. Multi multifaceted. Yeah. yeah, like there's there's obviously there's there's hydraulics, there's plumbing, yeah. there's you know there's a bit a bit of electrical too, right? Uh, and that and that's a thing. Like it's again in the beginning. It's like, but you see the thing is like. I'm a, you know, I'm a criminology major too. Part of that discipline is 
really trying to unpack things and, and really get to the bottom of why things are the way they are, why things are presented the way they are. It really does promote that curiosity and all that. And yeah, I, I find myself asking, asking a lot of questions about things like that too. And as I'm kind of going on my own, I guess if you want to call it my own self-discovery path and personal development path, I ask myself these questions because ultimately in, in, in it's important for me and how I parent and how I, yeah. right? And I, th- I think a lot of it, it's, it's deep-rooted stuff because I would even see it with, uh, with students that I taught. Like their parents were dead set. No, you got to do this. This is your path. You're going to Harvard and that's the way it's going to be. And it's all fine and well to want the best for your kids. But I think we need to really unpack why it is that we're doing that. And I think it does stem from insecurity. So, oh, 100% comes from the parents. Exactly. What they didn't achieve in life, there I want are. my child to achieve. Exactly. And then there's another side to it, too, which is an interesting one, which is basically, and I've seen this happen a couple of times, where the parents or parent is threatened by the child, right? And in essentially, oh, nobody in this nobody in this household or in this family's gone to university. You think you're going to be the first one? What do you think you're doing? They're threatened by their their abilities in a sense. They're trying to do way, they're trying to do things to control uh, the dynamics a bit more. Wow. They try to control their kids. Oh, you think you're going to do, really? Yeah, okay. And they try to shut down their dreams that way. That's a whole other world. It is. So how long you've been working on this whole educational side of the things? It's it's a more recent development. Okay. Um, I am currently in talks with the local school board to, to basically to talk to uh, to great students. How's students. that battle going? You know what? It's it's been very well received. It's it is fairly new. I'll okay. say. I'm I got a presentation. Everything's ready to rock and roll. Put me in, coach. That's it. I'm eh? ready to go. Because you believe in what you're presenting. Absolutely. You see the potential behind it. Absolutely. And if I look at what my business, my trade, and my industry is done for me. Why wouldn't I want that for somebody else who's going through something similar to what I went through? I mean, I've joked. I don't know if I said it on the show, but I totally, like, I would love to see someone actually start a middle school trade school, specifically just trades. Every class, whatever. You're off to plumbing. You're off to electrical. You're off to all this stuff, man, and just get it started. But I guess a lot of parents, helicopter parents, will start thinking about liability, safety, and all this other crap, right? Is liability when you walk out the door. That's exactly like I'm, it. I'm sorry. That's exactly it. But I, but I agree with you in saying that. Um, now, the interesting piece of that is, like, yeah, like seven and eight, like, yeah, it's starting to get them excited. And you know what? Maybe they don't they don't get into a career, you know, that's in the skill of trades, but they can develop an appreciation for it. Yeah. They can develop an understanding and value for it, which, let's face it, that's what's lacking. A bit. They can take care of their own home eventually. There you are. Exactly. You know, I'm surprised at how many people don't know anything and basics. how to maintain a home. Yeah. Like nothing. Basics. Which is really, really scary. Yes. But that's also the, the argument back in school where we're not taught to how to be budget conscious and financial literate, right? Of course. <sighs> but now there's obviously a whole talk as to so why that's yeah, the that's case. A, exactly. Exactly, yeah. right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's, on, that's, done on, that's done by design, of right? Course. So maybe it's the same thing with trades. I could see it too. I could see too. Listen, I, I view it as a very viable and empowering career path, mm-hmm. right? Hey, listen, I've been I've been in both. I've I've worn the I've worn the suit and tie, and I've you know after all that time, I decided to to get into and continue with that business. 
I'm not a water guy because I saw Jaws when I was really young. Right? So, <laughs> I mean, I can only assume that scuba suits and all that gear is probably more expensive than some high-end custom suits that are made for people. Uh, it can be. It That's can what be. I figured. It right? can get. It can get pretty expensive, no doubt. Especially the dry suits. Yeah. And the problem is, like, I, I had a couple of suits that obviously would because I, I beat my stuff up. Like, we're using it multiple times a day. Fine. They start to leak. They require repairs. Those repairs aren't cheap. And then I get to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm spending X amount of repairs. Might as well buy another suit. So I've been through quite a few of them. And the scuba gear in of itself can get pretty pricey if you want high-end stuff too, like good stuff. I mean, at the end of the day, we're talking about safety. Yeah, gear, right? your life. It, uh, it, can get, uh, it can get pretty pricey. It's kind of funny talking about suits and scuba suits. There's that one cartoon where the guy uh, shows up to the restaurant in a scuba suit. Okay. And, and something like the, the caption was something they said, oh, I thought they said you needed a suit to come in here. <laughs> so it's pretty cute. A lot, a lot of good little cute cartoons like that that I like. <laughs> it's very yeah. cute, man. Yeah. Uh, I, I do want to ask you, since you're like pool boy leak detection, I mean, do you have something to detect anybody who's taking a leak in a pool? Then I'd be guilty as charged. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'd be guilty as charged. That's why I'm not, I'm not getting into that situation. Um, Kind of reminds me of way back. What are we talking about here? Yeah, Caddyshack. Uh, yeah. Caddyshack yeah. with the Mars bar <laughs> and having to drain the pool and yeah, then Bill yeah, Murray, yeah. right? That yeah, whole yeah, world. Right. <laughs> yeah, and like, yeah, the, the whole scare tactic of, well, if you do, there's a chemical that they have that's going to be able to turn the water a certain color. Is that a myth? It's all BS, yeah, it's all right? BS, yeah. <laughs> that's what I figured, yeah. right? I mean, you're in a pool of public. That you, you already know that there's a certain percentage of that water that's not water. Yeah, exactly. Well... <laughs> So where do you want to take the educational side of this thing, man? Because I, I totally, kudos to you, man. Like, I, I, I want more and more people trying to do that. It's a challenging effort, right? Mm-hmm. It is, it is. And, and I'd expect there's going to be some resistance. There's going to be some, it's going to be an, an It's uphill. funny, you're going to get resistance from parents. I know. Bring That's it on. a sad thing, man. Bring it on. Like, I really wish they would just shut up and find, let the kid find their path. I know, that's the key. See, I'm not a parent, so I'm not allowed to speak, right? Mm-hmm. The moment I speak, I don't know what I'm talking about. Not true. But just let the kid find their path, man. Let them let them chase. And you know what? That's gonna be the way they're gonna find what their passion is and what it isn't. Yeah. You stick all you stick somebody in a box where they don't belong. Well, guess what? Yeah, maybe they might be decent at what they're gonna do. So if you want them to be a lawyer or whatever, so yeah, they might be a good lawyer. But if they were in a different line of work, say a trader, who knows what? I'm just just throwing things out there. They could obviously tap into their full potential that way. And they're going to be happy. They're going to be able to bring that happiness to their family, right? Which to me, I think it's all, you know what I mean? It's all so Well, it's an epicenter kind of thing. It's not necessarily that you're getting into trades and you're being a trades person. Mm-hmm. You may eventually become a teacher, a mentor. Sure. You might be an executive that's associated with committees that are actually contributing to changing the industry. It's all connected somehow. Absolutely. Sales, so at the beginning, you might be swinging a hammer for argument's sake. Yeah. But the thing is, eventually, you'll be changing it. Exactly. Right. So you've got to start somewhere. And, uh, and I have a lot of respect for anybody who starts at the bottom, gets understanding of boots on the ground mm-hmm. and then starts changing things. The unfortunate thing is that most tradespeople, everyone that I know of, they don't want to get on that political platform. Right. They, they're the ones that should be voicing and changing things, but they don't want because they know that they'll be asked to change. Exactly. I think it's literally once you once you cross that line, like I remember it's in teaching, they would call it uh, administrators amnesia. The second teacher goes yeah. into the admin role, it's like they change completely. And uh, I, can, I can see something to the same degree with what you're talking about, in a sense. Because it happens. Absolutely. It will happen. Yeah. I, I and they'll be, they'll be um, 
they'll be tainted by the money that's associated with and that the, admin position. And the power too, or the illusion yeah. of power. Yeah. Right? Even though the funny thing is it just kills me. It's like, we're all on the same team. We're all on the same team. We're all the same objectives. It's not me versus you. So what are, Larry, like, what are the, the stigmas? I mean, we, we kind of know them, the blue collar thing. So it's like, fine, it's a dirty job. Yes. You're having work wear and you're covered in whatever, depending on the trade, whatever. Right. And, and is it because there's a plateau for every single tradesperson? Like your, your salary at some point is going to just tap out. Right. And you're going to stay there. And you're never going to grow from there versus other competing careers. I guess you technically keep on growing financially speaking. It depends, I guess. I mean, the way that I look at it is that from what I've seen, there's way more potential, like from a growth perspective in the trade piece. Cause like, say if I take my teaching part, are you going to do open up your own school? No. <laughs> I the mean, teachers are getting screwed over now anyway. Right. Well, see that's, yeah, that's a, that's a different discussion. Yeah. But I mean like you have a department headship, which is what a couple thousand dollars extra a year, which for what you're required to do, my opinion might not necessarily be the, I guess, appropriate remuneration for that. Uh, you get into admin, it's yeah, and not everybody who wants to gets to that point. So, like we talked about, you you have way more growth potential in the skill trade. It's true, yeah. but, but I do know like it's not to say that that's not existent in other in other professions in See, the professional. You're track. fighting a bunch of things. I remember years ago, you had a lot of young guys that were on Tinder, right? And the moment they started telling the significant whoever they were trying to court, I know I'm a tradesperson. My vehicle is a pickup truck or a van. They're not interested in dating that individual. And, you know, I, I get I get that piece. It, it almost, I know what you're saying. That there is that barrier there because societally we don't, we don't. So you're not interested in a person that could build you a home one day. Right. Or have the network to build you a home one day. Even though the funny, exactly. Even though the funny thing is that individual might be way more successful than any other candidate that's on there in a couple of years or however, however many years you want to call There's it. There's lots of arguments on both sides. There are, there are. But I just think we write, we write the trades off. Way too fast. Way too quickly. I agree. Way too quickly. Yeah. And, and it, truthfully, now I see all these numbers, you know, all these gaps that need to be filled because retirement, this and that, whatever. This is an opportunity to strike for these guys, for these kids, right? So what ideas do you have for the trades when it does come to that getting out point? Is that part of your presentation to kind of, because I mean, you, you must be talking about getting them in. Well, the thing, when, when I was referring to that, is essentially like the, the getting out piece. I was referring that like from my own personal situation yeah. at home, Okay, getting out of that toxic household to get independent financially and mentally and all that stuff at that stage. Because realistically where I was, you know, 20 years old ish when things were getting really bad at home, I needed a way out. And this is what gave me the way out. Right. I've since taken the ball and run with it. Uh, and I'm here where I am today. That was what I was referring to by by getting out, yeah, getting out of those toxic situations, toxic households. What you want to See, call fuzzy. It. it wasn't until my late thirties, early forties that I was like, "Listen, you're a toxic person. I don't want to be around you." Right, right. Uh, that's as simple as that, man. I wish I learned it sooner mm-hmm. because I don't want to be around people that just don't want to contribute positivity. Right. Absolutely, positive vibes. Yeah. So, I mean, you could hate on and be whatever you want and have all this whatever and say all that crap, but I don't need to be around you no. when you're saying that. I don't need it to be absorbed into me. No, because then no matter how we slice it, it impacts you at some point. It does. At some, like, to some degree. It will resonate. You're yes. going to hear it over in your head. You'll, you'll be working on something and your head will be clear. And those voices, those words, that sentence will come back into your head. And you'll be like, 
I don't like that I heard that. I don't like that I was told that. I don't like that. that. But I mean, I guess it drives you too because you start looking at, sure, I could succeed, but I could also fail. I can yeah. learn from the failure, but I could also succeed from that failure. That's right, exactly. So it goes both ways, right? It does, it does. Um, but for me, it's like, yeah, like if, there, if there's, and, and based on what I saw, like I know there's, there's a lot of mental health things that are coming up uh, when I was teaching. I can only imagine how, how, it's, how it's progressing to now given pandemic and this and that there are a lot, there's a lot of stress out there, a lot of, a lot of pressure for different reasons. But I got to say, I, at 20 years old, some kids might be even younger than that. Who knows? They're probably going, some of them are going through a similar situation, right? They need a way out, right? They need, they need to be empowered to take that next step. And like I mentioned, they don't got four to seven years and a hundred thousand dollars to do it. No. Right. Good opportunity to strike. Are they lost in general? Or they just there's there's not enough mentors out there guidance saying like like you said you, you uh, Danny was it uh, uh, Jesse. Jesse Jesse sorry Jesse yeah. how he said that you'd be good for this I I don't think a lot of I don't think enough people are telling other people that you'd be good for this exactly that you should try this exactly and then let that resonate in their their skull for a little bit right and give them a full scope of it so fine if you if you want to have a career day with a lawyer doctor teacher whomever okay that's fine but give the full scope of it have skill trades people yes and an equal amount of them to really give their side of the story and have everybody else kind of make that decision get the equal representation of mentors available as much as possible so i think a bit of it is on us to to kind of push that ball forward. i would love to do that but my concern is that a lot of trades people would probably look like village people in the front of the class there <laughs> Why I'm seeing, I know, I know. But I mean, I'm I, just I joking, by I the know, way. I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. All good. No, but I, I agree with you because it seems like it's whoever has the more rock star career. And, and, and the unfortunate thing is that you'll see that from the teaching staff as well, that they'll probably give more time to a doctor or a lawyer or anybody else like that. Hey, I'm teaching math and science. Why am I going to promote? Uh, I get that. Yeah, I get that. And there's a lot of pressure for kids to take maths and sciences, grade 11 and grade 12. And if you don't, well, then you're setting yourself up to, to have a pretty crappy career. Well, well, surprise, surprise. You still need that for construction, too. You do to a certain extent. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like, correct me if I'm wrong. OEAP, And that's another part of it, too. That's another program that uh, would be I think should be should be pushed a lot more. Uh, a lot of funding going into your OEAP, and I don't know what the return on that funding is right working that's my concern right, when like, i hear when i hear funding i'm talking 50 million a year right that's a lot of money it is and, and for 50 million in my opinion i i should be seeing tens of thousands of people getting into construction right for 50 mil right of, of public funds of course you that's, should be see a good return on investment for that yeah so i think deep dive i guess you would have to get into what is that money being used for but that's Back to the political, political piece, right? exactly. So, and then you can't challenge that because the thing is everybody has to apply for that, present for that. Right. Say, okay, well, listen, here are the numbers on that. But when you look at the ROI on the kids that are being pushed out of OYAP, it doesn't jive with the 50 mil going in. Seems to be, seems to be a running theme. Um, yeah. But I mean, like, we talk like, like all the requirements, math and science and stuff like yeah. that. I mean, truthfully, some some kids, I mean, to get into that, realistically, you need to take math and science, even academic applied, doesn't matter, grade 9 and 10, no matter how you slice it, yeah. right? OEAP, I believe, starts in some instances, grade 11, grade 12, in that, in that range. So by that point, 
I mean, I wonder if uh, it would have, it would be a natural segue anyway. I don't think you can't you can't get out of those those um, OSSD requirements grade nine twelve. But eleven twelve onwards, I mean, realistically speaking, some guys could get picked up for an apprenticeship without any of that stuff. If I'm not mistaken, they do. Yeah. So they so that's based on the individual, right? And and their the hunger and their passion and their interest, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just attitude. They're bringing a certain kind of attitude, right? Which is not involving money. No, it's not. It's it, not. It's involving a the skill individual. in wanting to learn and be passionate about it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to ask you, why do you see kids getting in and then getting out? Because a lot of kids are not lasting. No, they're not. I, I do see there is obviously there. I did see a percentage about about that as well. That's a that's a good question. I think a lot of them do realize it's it's a bit, I guess, being tainted by. I mean, there's social media is kind of presenting glamorous. I can't stand it. You know what I mean? Like the, somebody needs to start a page where we show the truth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that there's there's a bit of, of delusion to that too, right? And people thinking, oh well, you know, why am I going to go get my hands dirty? And kind of seeing it for what it is when they actually get into it. But the thing is, I don't think they they're they're able to make that decision and see it through to fruition because okay, in the beginning. Realistically speaking, what are you doing? You're running material. You're doing basic stuff. You're not getting into the meat and potatoes of that specific trade. So my question is, at what point are they dipping out? Is it in that first year? Is it three years? I think it is. That's right? the problem. I'd like. I'd be curious to know exactly what point it is that they're doing that, and if if any feedback is given on why they're doing that, because it's like with surveys in general, have an independent survey. If not, if one hasn't been done, it could be done, and actually tap into that. Why did you leave? But that it might also be the wrong teacher. It could be too. You might actually be in the wrong, going back to the toxic, right? Absolutely. It could be that you are hanging out with the wrong person or people. It could a change of change of environment re-engage that individual. Yeah. So we don't know. I'm just always curious on, I've always been interested in anybody that's been in the business for a while and has gotten out and and someone that gets into business right away in the beginning and that's, they choose as an option, but then they leave and they go someplace else. Yeah. Like I, I, I want to know what happened in their life that made them make that decision. And then also, I mean, you kind of understand why the ones that stay because they're still driven in their passion and they want, they care about it, but they don't want to be in the same situation that the older people, trades people are in. Understood. They definitely don't want to be in that situation. My question is like, cause it's like with any other profession, like your motivations going in, some already know, listen, my plan is to get into business ownership or in management or in sales. Yes. Or, okay, so is it that maybe not realizing that the path to that is going to be a lot longer than expected? Because I know even like in, in, in teaching, for example, someone into it right away off the hop, I'm getting into administration. So, and, and that's, that's fine and dandy, that's cool. But what's the path between A to B, what does that look like type of thing? Yeah, I'd be, I'd be really curious to, if a deep dive has been done on that and if it's not maybe one should be done and that should be part of the funding pieces to understand why are it's 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 difficult to attack i I really don't know yeah it's got to be an independent piece it can't be anything tied to anything tied to what's uh like any these agencies right but the thing is that's the problem is that now you're asking small mom and pop shops one man rental shops or whatever mm-hmm. to take on somebody that may not even last and now you teach them for a bunch or then the flip side is you teach them a bunch and then they leave and go elsewhere and they take that knowledge and now they're gone and that's always going to be a risk 100%. Yeah. you can't minimize that risk i don't think because sometimes you you might take somebody on that's happened where you think 
don't really see the ambition. Really, don't see this person doing that. And before you know it, it happens. <laughs> like, how many people have? You, how many people you got working with you? Uh, this past year was there were three of us. So you had a hard time finding people. Too. Four, four of us. So I had I had myself, Brendan, Cameron, and I had an admin person. So yeah, my main my main struggle was finding the the full time full time person. But thankfully, I, I landed on Brendan and. And things were, were fine from there. But beginning was, was a struggle for sure. Because I didn't want to just take anybody. That's the thing. It's a reflection of who I am, who my company is. So it was, it was a struggle. And that's when it kind of hit me. And I'm like, like we got a problem here. Got a huge problem. And I've talked to other people in the industry. Same thing. Now, in our, in our industry, it's a bit different because we're not regulated. We're obviously not licensed by yeah. any means. I mean, there are licensed aspects to our operations. But... To be a pool guy, it doesn't really take much to do that in the ways of, you know, set up your, set up your marketing, set up your website and Instagram and make it all look good and fancy. Uh, the fact of the matter is, do you need any legit education or training for it? You don't. So that's... Uh, that's should we? Should we regulate it? Uh, I do believe that there should be... I, I do think it would be nice to have like a college program for pool tech. And there was at one point. Uh, they got rid of it? From what I understand, yeah. I can't remember if it was in Georgian. It might have been Georgian College. Okay. But would it be nice to have that? Would it be more? Absolutely. Would it kind of have it on level with other trades? I mean, I find, it, I find that particular trade very fascinating. Like, there, it's not just about swinging a hammer. Like, there's oh. a lot of thought attached to that. There is, and it's evolving at a rapid pace. And I'm not saying that swinging a hammer doesn't involve any thought. No, I'm no, no, no. I'm no, just no. saying. No, like, I, get, I get what you yeah, mean. Yeah, right? So, yeah. I mean, there, there is a lot of more. Um, your, your wheels are spinning. Yes. Like, it's not just go in and just get the job done. You no. have to figure out how to get in, get out, kind of work it, do it, and all that stuff, right? Of course. Of course. So, and there's lots of risks attached, but. Hey, no risk or no reward, right? I, I, I always try with every single show to try to figure out if we can kind of contribute more and try to figure out what other solutions there are. But I, I'm hoping that people that are listening just keep on asking more and more questions and don't be afraid of speaking to people that have been in the business for a while or mm -hmm. even the older cats and just asking them, like, where should I go? What should I be good at? What should I be doing? Just don't be afraid, man. I honestly, like, you'd be surprised what you get if you if you stretch your hand out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like I was lucky with Jesse. Very lucky with him. If it wasn't for him, like I said, I wouldn't be right now. I wouldn't be at the point I'm at in my life right now without him. And then that led to meeting my other two mentors. And it's funny because one of them, he lives in Connecticut. Okay. And I reached out to him on an online forum. He doesn't, he didn't know that this was about nine, ten years ago. Didn't know who the heck I was. And right now he's, he's still, he's still my, oh, he's still my mentor. I'm in touch with him. And uh, you just reach out to him, ask him questions and talk. And he gives me all the time, all the time I need. And he's always been there. Just like Jesse. Just See, like Jesse. That's awesome. Man. Yeah. And, and that's, and they're out there though. They're all out there. Absolutely. They For are. every single trade. They're 100%. all out there. Yeah. And you know, social media, let's, let's talk about the positive of social media is that the great thing is you can connect with these people. And the good thing is, you know, maybe it's somebody that might not be in competition with you that might be a reason why they might be a little bit more because if you're going to talk to somebody that's in the same area, it might be a little bit tricky. Yeah. Because you know, you think, okay, well, this guy's a threat to me. Screw you, which I get, I, whatever, fine. But the other day, like it opens up your, your borders a bit to the point where you can connect with people in different parts of the yeah. world and, and discuss. Maybe they have a practice. Say I was, I've been talking to somebody in France that's talking about his, his practices over there. And some of them are, are different and they're actually, they've been, they've been very informative. So, you don't know until you until you put yourself out there. So 
I want to ask you a little bit of Green Book talk. I don't have OBC, so I'm not going to do OBC, but I do want to ask you um, what the fine is. Uh, where is it? Uh, da, 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 da. Worker failing to ensure that services are accurately located and marked before excavating. Ooh, so we talked one. about pools and all kinds of stuff. And this what do you think the fine is for uh, for a worker failing to ensure that services are accurately located and marked before excavating? This is like a um, prices, right? Yes. Kind of, but there's no prizes. And there's no showgirls or guys or whatever. And there's no new car. So... <laughs> Okay, I'll tell you. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna say five thousand. It's two hundred and fifty bucks, man. <laughs> Isn't that insane? So you don't accurately locate and mark before excavating. Ouch. It's only two hundred and fifty bucks. I don't understand these numbers. Yeah, no kidding, because you could cause some serious damage. Yes, that's yeah. what I mean. Like two fifty. Wow. <laughs> that's for that's not that's Ontario or is that that's uh, Ontario. Yeah, two fifty. Huh. And well, locate is free. I was gonna say. Can you imagine if the locate costed more than the find it? That'd be funny. Are they free or it's some? Oh, it's all taxpayer. I don't know how it uh, works. On call, I believe it's free. I mean, I, I don't build, so I. Uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I want to ask you a few more pool questions. I mean, yes. is it, um, am I crazy to to like black line pools, like a what? They, you know what, they do look nice. I'll give it that. The is everyone just scared because they can't see inside of it? Oh, okay. You're talking from a safety perspective. Well, I don't know about safety or just like mental anxiety or some shit. I just think that a black line pool looks cool. You know, there's some liners. That, honestly, there's one that's like a it's got like a it's like a tint of it. What's it called? Butterfly. Butterfly. And it has a nice shimmer when the sun hits it. It's unlike anything you've ever seen. It's pretty neat. Actually, I'll send it to you after. <laughs> uh, but black line pools, the thing there is obviously got to be on top of your water chemistry like crazy because it could fade very quickly, and then you see a difference. Water line versus underwater line. Oh, and it's like... Then it looks like crap. Exactly. So there's there's different shades of liners. So you have light, medium, and then you have your dark, which that would be one of those. When I did my pool, I wanted to kind of go like in the middle. Because the thing is, if you go too light, any speck of dirt's going to look like the entire pool. It's disgusting. You know right. what I mean? Like sometimes there are customers that have the, the white liner. And that's what they came out... Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's what they... risky, yeah? It is, yeah. Because then like if you're not cleaning your, your water line... Because obviously all the it's like the, it's like a bath it's like a bath ring almost it becomes really noticeable medium shade you're kind of in between the two where it hides the dirt to a certain degree has a nice shimmer to it I mean mine does anyway um, but it's obviously not going to fade as much as long as like I said water chemistry water chemistry water chemistry is it better to go tile instead of a liner uh, you see it's a different price bracket right different price bracket dramatically higher right it can be. Um, I mean, truthfully, if you look at, for example, in the States where their pools are all year round in, in some situations, like you look at Florida, for example, they don't have very many liner pools. It's all tile. Yeah, if you go out uh, in Cali, where another one of my friends um, operates a leak detection business, it's it's predominantly concrete construction, kind of construction. And then it's just parched, right? Correct, yeah, plastered over. Yeah. Uh, they could tile it. They're obviously waterline tile, too. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it could definitely be... But the key there is um, insulation practices are, are vastly different because you're not getting a liner pool which has the steel wall components into it. There's your your your, your forming, rebarring, your shooting, right? It's uh, it's quite the process. See, I would love a pool, but I would just love a lap pool. 
Oh, okay. I do not care about a kidney shape. I do not care about... You don't even care about size? I don't care. It could be as wide as this table, and it could be as long as it's like maybe 30 feet long, so I could just literally just lap back and forth. That's the whole point of it. They've got got ones that basically are like bigger size hot tubs with those swim jets. Yeah, that's what some people have been telling me about. Swim spas, yeah. Is it good? Or how big do they get? Good question. But I guess how big does the number get? That's the other side of it too. It can, I've seen I've seen ones go like thirty thousand. So you're talking about the current ones, right? Like yes. where you can actually swim in in place, and it's the current that's giving you the friction. Is that what you're talking about? That's correct. Yeah, yeah that just sounds expensive. Well, I mean, you look at what the cost of a pool is nowadays, like an actual in ground. I have no idea. It can get it can what? Get, what is the cost of a pool these days? Depends on obviously size, size and, and stuff like that. But I mean, is it six figures? It's got to be six figures. Yeah, you can you can get to that pretty easily, I think. Because well, the thing is, not just the pool; it's the surround. Right. Yeah, it's all the components attached to it. And there then all go. of a sudden, then you have all the hardscaping, all the landscaping, and all the. We can't just have a pool. We got to have an outdoor kitchen. We yeah. got to have a lounger. We got to have a gazebo. We got to have everything, right? That's when it starts to climb. So, okay, I'm not crazy to think black line, but I just got to be careful about direct sun at that point and fading and things like that. That's oh, interesting. It does, look, it does look nice. Really nice. Anything else you want to share about pools? Swimming pools, swimming pools, swimming pools. Yeah, I think kind of tying into what I mentioned before, like if you're if you're a new pool owner, um, the key there obviously is get your water tested regularly. When you say regularly, how often? Once a week would be nice. Make it make it a habit. Uh, just that's, be, that's you coming in to do that, or the homeowner can do that. Homeowner can go to a store, and the good thing is most stores offer free water testing anyway. Okay. So you take your, your you take your water test in. They will do an analysis. They'll record key piece there is to keep that piece of paper document reference exactly in case for you know maybe there's a warranty issue and they try to kind of put the blame on a water chemistry issue well if you don't have that documentation you're sol yeah but if you have the documentation well then that's one less piece of ammunition that they have yeah so trying to kind of and i've been educating customers especially walk into situations new pools new liners this is something you have to make a habit and even, you know, get a test kit. You can get basic test kits for yourself. You just kind of do the in-betweens. Because sometimes, you know, once a week might not be good enough. Like if heavy usage, depending on obviously what the environmental factors are, a lot of rain, like it could alter the chemistry pretty quickly. Is it worth spray foaming pools? On the underside? Yeah. You know, it's I've seen I've seen people do that. Uh, I've seen some builders do that and spray foaming the plumbing lines. Yeah. The intentions, underground plumbing lines, for the intentions yeah. of running them all year round. I can't say I know enough about it to be able to say definitively, hey, this is going to add or this is going to be a difference of X amount of percent. Cost savings or whatever, right? I would like to think in theory it would. In practice, I, I can't say I've seen that. I'll be honest in saying it makes it a pain in the you-know-what to find leaks in piping that's spray foamed. That's actually really true. Yeah, because... Because a leak in a spray foam, it could come out 50 feet away from where it is. Exactly. Right. Because it, it, it's going through the... The, the path and the exactly. spray foam is not waterproof. I quickly learned that. The only problem is that spray foam guys are the only ones telling me that it's a good idea to spray foam pools. Right, right. I'm like a garage door guy is only going to be the one telling me to change my garage door. So right. it's just like I want to hear pool guys telling me that uh, spray foam is a good idea. I'll tell you, from what I'm seeing, it's not common practice. Like I'm not, I'm not seeing like you know all these builders because we we come into new construction projects all the time. I just figure you're yeah. kind of insulating the yeah. pool so then you're not using as much maybe not the heat lines but the actual pool itself see you have i'll tell you what a lot of people are doing if we're talking about um heat loss and, and preventing against heat loss a lot of companies now are installing automatic covers 
And that seems to be doing, no, they're not cheap by any means, but I can't imagine spray foaming is going to be cheap either. No. The automatic covers are certainly a very good option to counteract against heat loss and, and all that. So that that is commonplace, Yeah, those covers for sure. And you have obviously, if you want to go on a more budget budget level piece, you have the uh, just the regular solar blankets, which just you, you roll by hand. Yeah. That has pretty good efficiency up to 80, 85% give, give or take, depending on the product that you're using. Obviously there's different grades of solar cover. And then there's a liquid solar cover, which is a product which some people will swear by it. Some people swear at it, which liquid is liquid solar cover. Yeah. So it's a, it's a chemical product where you pour in the pool and it kind of creates like a thin layer on top of, uh, on top of the pool to kind of retain the heat. How do you get rid of it? It's, it always stays in there. So what happens is when the pool is undisturbed and there's nobody using the pool, it kind of forms that layer a little bit more clearly. Yeah. So like, is it slime all over you when you walk in or something? Not even, no. You, you, you sometimes you can actually see a bit of it on, uh, on the surface. I've used it on my pool too. Okay. You could see that on the surface, but it's by no means something that's going to, uh, going to, you know, leave a residue yes yeah, noticeable true. residue anyway okay. yeah you come out and all of a sudden you look like you're melting or something <laughs> yeah exactly like something weird like, creepy like uh, the ghostbuster slime guy <laughs> <laughs> that kind of thing right yeah, yeah. so i mean like I, I just get the sense that um getting a pool you'll spend more time maintaining the pool than actually using the pool is that a fact well it all depends on how it's set up like i mean say for example i mean automation is a great idea i have automation on my pool uh, Hayward uh, Hayward Automation System, and I can control a lot of features on my on my phone. Wow! You can set the heat. So if I'm wherever, who knows if I'm two three hours away, and I'm coming home with the kids, we want to go for a swim. Hit my phone, the te- like I'll set temperature, and it's warm by the time we get there. So you don't have to leave it on the whole time. Yeah, right. It's more efficient that way. Uh, you have robotic cleaners. Robotic cleaners are great at doing just the spot cleans type of thing to keep. And you could set that on a time or two. What I have in my my house, like the automation, the robotic cleaner, uh, the saltwater system, I do my water testing. You just have to be diligent about it. That's all it is. Exactly. Like if you if you if you think it's literally like you just put a hose in a pool, okay, we're good, and it's gonna be like that all summer. It's not gonna happen. Not gonna happen. And I, I was like that probably like 14, 15 years ago, but it's not. It's like you're, you're yeah. there. You're, you're there with a shovel in your backyard, <laughs> thinking, ah, "Okay, let's get the hole, put the water in, and that's it." We're done. It's yeah, cool. Yeah, it's not like that anymore. No, no, they, they they're like cars, man. I wanna I wanna just wrap up the show, get closer to the end, but I I definitely want to talk more about the educational side of things, and and I want to figure out. Um, I know that lots of high schools were removing trade schools mm-hmm. and now it's far and few that you're seeing trade schools that still ha- or high schools that still have a trade room right a workshop yes right or even a mechanical shop or anything like that and now we're trying to get it back in but i agree with you that it needs to get back in at the elementary stage and, and then carry it on through the high school stage yeah because i think the key there is that there are there are two things from my perspective i could be off on this but one is there needs to be a demand from it Right, like if the, the stu- demand's got to come from the student, it can't come from the parents. And exactly what I'm saying, if you get the kids excited about, it, they're going to be asking about it. And obviously, it's like I said, political political ploy here, where yeah. if they're asking for it, kids really want something. It becomes it becomes a part where they're trying to advocate active citizenship on their part. But you're right, it has to come from them. The excitement's got to come from them as well. That's one part. The other thing is obviously you can't have just Joe Blow 
show up off the street and teach that class. It's got to be an Ontario certified teacher that's doing yeah, that. Yeah. How many of those can we get from, because it's not like a Sheridan College or like other colleges where you don't have to have teaching papers and go to teacher's college and you're teaching that uh, you know, electrical foundations or whatever the case is. High schools, elementary schools, like you're, you, you're, you have to have your teaching papers. You have to be licensed and you have to have a you know, in good standing with the Ontario College But the teachers. waters are being muddied right now because now you're getting privatized trade related kind of right. schooling programs for like 10 grand for three months. Yes. And you get out of there and you don't have the skills that anybody is looking for. And you know, it's interesting. You're, you're right about that. And the thing we could touch about upon there too is that I, I always kind of tie it back into policing, even my own experiences. And, and, and I'm going to, and I'm going to kind of give you my rationale in this in a sec. You ever watch that movie, The Untouchables, with Sean, Con- with Sean Connery? Yeah. When he's like, you want a fresh apple? Where do you go get it? You get it from the source. Yeah. And, and, and his recruiting mantra was, you're not going to go to the police. You're not going to go to the, right? You don't want people with preset, you know, who have already been trained a different way. Yep. You want clean slates, right? So the thing is, like, some of these colleges, I mean... I get, I get what they're trying to capitalize on, but at the same time, some of these employers might not want that because they want to trade from scratch. Oh, I know they right. don't want it. Yeah. I'm being so, told that they don't want it. There you are. But they're making a lot of money because yes, they're convincing 18, 19 year olds to get 10 grand from their parents yes. and to go to this. And then they're being convinced that if I get this education for three months, then I can get into the industry and go from there. But I'm sorry. You're it's not, not going to work. That's not where you start. No, it's and, and they would much rather take you from scratch, not with any of that stuff, because they could train you the way they you'll want. You'll learn a lot more and you'll learn better. I agree. Being side by side with somebody that actually wants to commit time to teach you. Right. And train you. I agree with you. Totally. It's, it's like the police foundation schools and, and police forces. They're not pulling. And because and, and when I was in criminology, I actually had some of your RCMP talk to me about it because he wanted to recruit me. And he said, you know, you stand a better chance getting recruited by me like the way you are criminology student, not somebody who's going to, you know, security guard or you know, they want clean slates trained from school. You're already jaded, I guess. Eh? You already have you, you come with baggage. Yes. And even, even when, I, when I've been hiring, I didn't care if the person had pool experience or not because I was willing to train that person, right? I want you to learn my system, right? You've perfected it over 16 years. Like, you've, you've figured out the yes and no's kind of thing to mm-hmm. do, right? So Because mm-hmm. then what you're doing is you're taking somebody who has all these, you know, different versions of training and this and that. You have to undo that. Yeah. And then you have to implement your own training module, which is you're basically doing two things here. So you got a presentation, you're ready to go, you're going to start presenting, you're going to start talking to people. So this year is all focused on trying to push this initiative forward, right? What are you calling it? It's uh, the titles actually have it here. I'll show you after I'll get your opinion on it. It's life in the trades, the other side of the stigma. And uh, I like it. I can even just kind of walk through a couple of things. Yeah, yeah, please. So I obviously go through my journey, my story a bit, you know, the fact that I've got the experience in the professional field and the, and the, the trade route, uh, go through that and uh, discuss the stigmas and the issues in the industry, then go to the reality aspect of it and have a bunch of points that I elaborate on, talking about the flexibility, talking about the freedom, uh, talking about the fact that the trades, truthfully, like if you you go online or if you do your research and see, okay, what careers are going to be wiped out by AI and robots, skilled trades are not usually on that list. No, they're not. That's huge, right? So you're in demand you're needed. You're not going to school. Like in teaching, for example, I can't tell you how many of my classmates 
were doing contracts and supply work for years before they landed their first actual gig. Yeah. Years. Yeah. Right. If I go to my, um, to my uh, friends in law school, not all of them, mind you. Now I'm talking about, you know, students that didn't have the connections, for example, awesome you know, academically, didn't have the connections. They essentially were articling for free because they couldn't get picked up. So that's 10 months. You're not making any money. After you've already spent. Yeah. It's a huge <laughs> slap in the face, man. Right. Um, there's that piece. I discuss, uh, I start getting into current uh, opportunities. So I kind of show like jobs that are currently advertised, what they're paying. I was actually kind of surprised automotive technician, uh, automotive, auto body technician was. Where's that? Uh, one was advertising at 140 a year. I believe it. Yeah. Three years experience. There's site supers that are being built. Like you can get after about three, five years, you can get to 160. So you're not even swinging a hammer. You're no. managing jobs. You're managing crews. And you're not even getting dirty, but you're in construction and you're making that kind of coin. You're doing all right. Now, like, there's, there is a shift and there's, there's more, I guess, I mean, the, the conventional method is obviously you work 50 weeks out of 52 of the year and you retire at 65. Well, now what I'm understanding is kids are looking for more flexibility, almost like, okay, I go all out for, say, three months, a little bit of time off. Go all out for another couple of months, a little bit of time Some off. Some are doing that. Right? And it works. It does. Because when you think about it, what's the guarantee you're going to make the 65? There isn't. Right? So enjoy a little bit of what you're working on now. Be yeah. smart about it. Be disciplined about it. I believe, like, look at, for example, look at my trade, right? In the swimming pool industry. The winter's off. It's kind of nice. It's not bad. <laughs> but I'll be honest. I pay for it in, in season. Of course. But June still. mayhem. But it gives you an opportunity to get the wheel spinning elsewhere, which there is you what go. you're doing with this program and everything. So there's a lot of, you, you keep thinking about reinventing stuff. That's it. So you're not, and that's the unfortunate thing with a lot of tradespeople. They just get, they dive right in. It's just like Monday to Saturday or whatever. And it's like constantly, it's a blur. It becomes a blur and you got to, Ferris Bueller, man, if you don't stop and just take a break. Yeah, that's right. You'll miss you. Like, it's just so simple. So you get the flexibility here, right? Like in... I think that's important. Like, and if you have a young family, that's, that's key. I have a young family. Like it's, it's important to be able to spend Everything's doable. I mean, you're talking yeah. about generations that came as immigrants here and they made it happen. They put their kids through college. They did all kinds of stuff. They bought a house. They, I get, you can argue all, yeah, sure. Interest rates back then were 13 to 15%. Homes were less than 200 K. I get, you can argue all this. You can keep on arguing about all the negative stuff, or you can figure out how to turn everything into a positive. 100%. Those are the two options. Those are the two roads, man. And that takes, you know, it takes reflection, it takes awareness, uh, and it takes action Yeah. in the end, right? Like, I look at, for example, like my dad was the uh, hardest, working, hardest working guy I ever met, like restaurant business. I've eventually gone to the restaurant business. He was doing pool hours all year round, like mm. crazy. And, and, I'll, and I'll, you know, obviously uh, indebted to him eternally for that. The thing is, he wasn't around a lot when, when I was younger. I'm trying to turn the tide a bit, right? So that's why obviously my business does allow me to give me that time, do pick up, do drop off, take my kids to swimming, all that stuff. So you get you get that freedom too. But it's also the the freedom, there's the financial freedom, there's also the mental freedom too. Mm. Where like if you do say, I'm talking from my perspective of business ownership, where you can pick and choose to some degree. Not always, but you can. Whereas if you're working a desk job, 
You're there all the time. You have no control over the customers necessarily. You don't have control over the people you're working with. And toxic environments. Get, HR visits. There you go. Because certain things were said a certain way. Exactly. Because you sneezed uh, <laughs> in the photocopy room, whatever, and you need to do mandatory training on yeah. how to sneeze properly. I don't, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So we do we do a bit of that. I have the comparison of the two, the two. Uh, individuals, uh, the plumber and the and the lawyer, and I really break down the schooling, the paths, the costs, and salaries. Uh, what else do I do? I love it, man. It's great. Like I said, I'm ready to rock and roll. I'm ready to rock and roll. Put me in. Larry, man, this has been a pleasure. Likewise. Thank you so much, man. And, and I'm glad that we got connected, I guess, through Kenneth, right? Morgan. That's right. You saw that show. Amazing story. And I love his story. It's great. Yeah. And even off mic, we were just saying, listen, man, everybody's got enemies. I got plenty of enemies. I fucking love them. They're great. I don't give a shit about them. So, hey, you know what? <laughs> At the end of the day, like, I guess this is where like, the awareness piece comes in. It's just like, in the, yeah, like, I've always been about questioning things and understanding yeah. the way. And, human behaviors and why things stop that there i guess you're in trouble yeah well <laughs> but no but it helps you it kind of takes the sting off of it a little bit it does yeah you're supposed to question shit you should be i i embrace any young or old that wants to suggest a different way of doing something because that means you're thinking about something you're not just like this is what's been done for the last 30 years that's right so we're going to continue doing it that kills that kills everything no you should yeah. be questioning whether or not that should be improved of course and, and then we improve it. And that's how growth happens. Yeah. Innovation, creativity. I love it, man. Giddy up. Larry Lagamba, Pool Boy Leak Detection, www.poolboy.ca and info at poolboy.ca and on Instagram, Pool Boy Leak Detection and Larry.lagamba. You ready for the 12 questions? Giddy up. What is your favorite construction word? Uh, applicable to what I do is legalizer. 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 So that's the that's the water loss computer that I was mentioning briefly. That's that's for manufacturing. Legalizer is what measures water loss in a pool rapidly. It's a rapid water loss sensor. And uh, it's like when you bust that out, you feel like it's back to the future, like flux capacitor. <laughs> it's time to legalize. I think a lot of tradespeople are going to say, I'm going to go to the potty and legalizer it. All right? <laughs> that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, what go. is your least favorite construction word? Uh, I'm going I'm to go, give you two. Because I'm a nice guy. Uh, <laughs> ultrasound would be one because people tend to think that that's what we use. Oh, uh, do you use the ultrasound? <laughs> well, I mean, like, what am I doing here? Like, am I am I am I looking for uh, the babies or like what's <laughs> completely different technology? You know? Why do they say it's an ultrasound? Does it look like an ultrasound? No, it doesn't look. Like well, okay. you see, the thing is, there's the terminology in, in what we do is it's sonic listening equipment, which is what listens to the underground pipe stuff. And then there's there's sonic and there's ultrasonic. Ultrasonic is, it's it is used in, in what we do, but very rarely anyway. Okay. And I guess people kind of confuse it too. And sonar too. Sonar is another one which does does get used. That was and my I, first thought. I know you why. mentioned that, that before, <laughs> but yeah. What's the second one? Oh yeah, so ultrasound and sonar. Sonar. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what turns you on in construction? I would have to say, doing underwater repairs on a hot summer's day. Hard. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, like oh no, it turns you on. Sorry, it turns you on. Yeah, yeah it turns away. Yeah, yeah, because because you know, like I'll even that's I'll refreshing. Even, absolutely, this is the best part of the job. I will if I know full well your problem is in the piping. I will still jump in the pool <laughs> to conduct a courtesy check. If you know what I mean, I'm going in. That's it. <laughs> Suit up. What turns you off in construction? I'd have to say lack of consideration and foresight during the build process for future repair work. 
So accessibility, so encasing pipes in maybe what we were talking about in spray foam, in concrete even. Um, Conduit channel or something just to kind of, yeah, just uh, that's true. future-proofing it. Exactly. Like yeah. oftentimes you see people doing these nice massive armor stone waterfalls, encasing piping in that. Can't really test if you have no access to the piping or putting features like lights and jets under a waterfall. Not only is it tough to access, but if you were to fix that, you're taking a repair bill that would have been one to two thousand dollars and making it ten to twenty thousand dollars. So you're basically causing an issue to the repair person to the homeowner. Yeah, it looks nice, but functionality and practicality needs to be considered. because the truth is that any of this stuff is has to be maintained. So it's going to need time to get to it later on. It needs to be serviceable. Got it. What's your favorite curse word or phrase? I'm a professional, man. Yeah. I'm a professional. Don't I don't curse. swear. Phrase, yeah, phrase. I'll give you. I'll give you one. It's actually I'm going local here. Pinball Clemens. And I attended a talk of his actually at one of the supplier conventions a couple of years back. And his line was, I don't care if you're about to go into 20 feet of flames or whatever it is. You just get in the truck and you go. Just get in the truck and go. Just go. It's, it's, does he ever stop smiling? Oh, he's, he's oh, I love that guy. <laughs> I love that guy. He's always smiling. He's awesome. What's your favorite vehicle in the entire world? DeLorean. Old school DeLorean or this new one that they modify crap thing, whatever it is. I don't know, man. Either way, you got to get me 121 gigawatts. I, I, I like Let's DeLoreans. Go. I do like DeLoreans. I, yeah. don't, I don't like what John DeLorean did running the business because he could have been the Tesla of the day. 100%. Back then. Yep. Right? But I do like that design and everything. I don't like the new design. No, I don't. That's either. just someone playing around with retro crap, right? So, I'm old school. I like Back to the Future. So Yeah, it's yeah. cool. <laughs> What's your least favorite vehicle? I still don't get the rationale behind this. Like, this is a Europe, I think a European thing, the three-wheeled truck. Yeah. Like, what the heck? What is that? I don't know, man. Like, well, tight corners, small streets, like that kind of thing. It's a trike, right? It's, a, it's an ugly-looking trike. But even trikes are ugly. Yeah, like, can you imagine, do like, busting that out here? Like, he wouldn't last a day. Oh, yeah, so I just, I'm, on, I'm yeah. with you on that one, man, totally. Yeah. What construction sound or noise do you love? Love the sound that my equipment makes when you find the leak. They're, they're different sounds, but it's just like sometimes you could be there for X amount of time and it's like the last part that you're checking. Up to that point, you're racking your brains going, oh my God, look at the Where is it? Where is it? Yeah, and then all of a sudden you get that sound. I was like, bing. <laughs> what yeah. construction sound or noise do you hate? Anything that a landscaper makes. So saws, hang it again. Saws. All loud. Everything's loud. Exactly. And you can't hear it. You can't hear a thing like when you're because the equipment's so sensitive. Even if they're a couple houses down, it's still you still wow um, tricky. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt one day? Definitely continue with the mentorship piece, whatever shape form that that that's going to take. Uh, yeah, take that cool. one to town. What profession would you not like to do? Uh, I would say, and this is with obviously uh, full respect anybody in these because i can imagine how difficult these are well i already had experience a bit in the restaurant business restaurant business was one tough that's extremely difficult uh and the thing is in that business i mean you could be putting all the hours and the effort and might not see it on the bottom line nope. right uh talk about love and passion there right 100 and i see i saw my dad go through it and i was involved in it at the end there uh, a little bit so i got i got a taste of what he had to go through it's tough it is retail would be another because obviously you have online, you have these these, these big entities. So much, yeah, yeah. And it's a, you can see there's a lot of passion in, in these in these stores, and it's just that uh, you hope you hope they're doing well, and obviously you have customers, customers expectations. 
to deal with too, which we all have to deal with. But yeah, restaurants. We all want to so. support local, right? So, Absolutely. But it's challenging. Last question If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at those pearly gates? Uh, I would like, I definitely would like to hear him kind of explain and kind of get a little bit into like the rationale behind why there's all this suffering in the world. Like, you know what I mean? Like, what? There's some suffering, like, because you can kind of make a silver lining out of it if you want to put it that way. Mm-hmm. But then there's some that's just hard to really wrap your head around. And it's good gonna, point. It's a good right? point. So you kind of understanding that because that that gets me sometimes when you see things. And then I'd want him to take me over to uh, to see my pops, and hopefully he's sitting at a nice uh, nice outdoor cafe with a nice drink in hand, seat available. He is. Go. He is. Yeah. yeah. Catch up, Larry. Thank you so much for being on the show, man. Really appreciate you and thank sharing you. so much. And all the best to you, man. And uh, in the pool, and also this endeavor. And Reach out to me anytime. You you ask me, tell me, you want me to do shoutouts or whatever I can do, you just let me know, man. I'll do it. I'll take care that. of it and just get, and send it out there because I think that what you're doing is 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 what we really need to do and more of us need to do it as Thank well you. too. So please, everybody, check them out. Pool Boy Leak Detection, uh, www.poolboy.ca, info at poolboy.ca and on Instagram, Pool Boy Leak Detection and also his personal where you'll find all that information regarding the mentorship is Larry.lagamba. That's it, Angelina. I think we're out of here. Thank, Thank you, you, man.